Hello and welcome to Coffee Mook. I'm Mark Laborde. And I'm Mitch DiPaolo. So remember a couple weeks ago I said that farming was the greatest job to have. It was top 10, like less stressful, most happy. Well, there was a guy in Kentucky, a farmer, corn corn guy, and he was plowing up his field. And in the dirt, he saw a little uh, glimmer of gold and then picked up, uh, he was digging through it, finds it's a gold piece from the 1840s. And he like digs a little bit more. Guy ends up finding 700 gold coins worth $2 million. And they don't know why it was buried there, who did it, or why that person just never came back for 700 gold pieces. Two million. Could you just think about how much money the government's going to take from that? Yeah, I know. How much do they take? Do you know the tax rate for like, is it, what is it, a capital gain? Do they call that? Or no, because you're not really like investing anything. You just find it. Treasure is a whole other story. Well, wouldn't it be a capital gain because... You bought the property and then you found treasure. So like say you bought an asset and then it appreciated. It appreciated. Yeah. So maybe they would tax it as that. But I, I wonder but how that works. Because it's treasure, it may be something completely different. Maybe like there was it a guy its own tax, you're saying. Th- yeah. Or they may could just say that, oh no, no, but you we own ninety five percent of this and we'll give you two coins. Because there was a guy in Australia. Now, I know it's a whole other country, but apparently their treasure hunting laws are insane. Guy spent his entire life and life savings going after a, a shipwreck that he knew was in some spot. And he found the shipwreck. He found $10, 20000000 million worth of treasure. And the Australian government took it all and they gave him a coin. Wow. And I don't know the whole reason behind that thing, but... That's insanity to me. You wouldn't at least recoup the guy what he spent on this treasure hunt because that's insane. But maybe because it's on this guy's cornfield in America, the government might treat it like capital gains. Yeah. Yeah, 35%. Oh, I'd rather. Yeah, just here. Here's 50 gold coins. Leave me alone. Yeah. I, I couldn't. That's so annoying. I couldn't sell them. And. I think the $2 million is just the face value of the gold. Oh, yeah. Because the fact that it's like lost treasure. Exactly. We might make it 10x. It might be $20 million. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I bet if we looked it up, there are probably like coins out there for sale that are going for insane numbers. Oh, absolutely. The the Atocha shipwreck, it's right off the coast of Florida. Guy Mel Fisher found it in the 80s, I believe. But yeah, they pull up gold and silver, like pieces of eight and... Normally it'd be maybe a hundred bucks, but because it's a shipwreck treasure, yeah, it goes for a thousand, two thousand dollars. That's that's crazy. Let's go find a treasure. Yeah, they say there's one around. There's got to be one in Rhode Island. Oh, absolutely! All the shipwrecks we have, it's insane. I think they found that old slave ship that they thought was lost for a long time. They found it within the last couple of years. It's right off the coast of Narragansett. Wow. Yeah, that's so wild. Gosh, that's crazy. There's um a couple of the islands how, they picked. How, was it like a big No, I think it was ship, just like small the it was mostly rotted, so it probably was just the, the bottom. Yeah, it was just like a little bit of the boat left. But I, I don't know how you can figure that out. There might be a plaque on it or Yeah, it's something. maybe like the items on the boat and people who really know history, they could say, Oh, this was brought over and this was brought over from here and because this came from here, it's probably like a slave boat or a I could probably tell you. If it's in Rhode Island, it was from a guy named James DeWolf. Right where the hotel was that I worked at, that's one of the places that, I know this is really messed up to say, but it's, you know, it's history. That's one of the the docks that the slaves would come off of. 
And that's right where the hotel was because when they were actually digging the hotel, they found big rum barrels and it was like the tops were rotted away. There was nothing in them, but we still had those oak barrels. And then there were like cash boxes and there were some chains and uh, cannonballs and stuff. And we put in this right behind. Uh, this you found this? No, no. The guys who were, when they were building the hotel, I, the I worked. Hotel. Yeah, you worked there and they told you the story. Well, okay. no, I actually saw the stuff because we have it behind a glass case and stuff. Oh, yeah. There were just photos. They put it in a case. That's pretty cool. It was, uh, it's wild stuff, but apparently that guy was the largest slave trader in in the United States history, there was like a seventy or an eighty percent chance if you had bought slaves back at that those days, they were definitely from him. And he had this whole triangle trade route. It was wild. I read the whole book on him. This guy was just a real piece of shit. Yeah. Interesting story, though. Interesting. You, you never think that stuff would happen. I don't know Rhode Island of all places. Yeah, that was my uh, crazy Kentucky treasure story thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so I was scrolling through, what was it, maybe Instagram the other day or something. I came across this really cool idea for a product or like this cool business. It's called Woobles and- It's called what? It's called Woobles, I believe. Woobles. It's for, it's a crochet kit. So it's, they have like what, maybe 10 different animals. They probably have a bunch now. They, uh, the, the company started in 2022. They give you like yarn. They give you like the sticks to- uh, do the crocheting and they give you step-by-step -step videos on your phone of how to do it cool. and you can make all different animals like they got a whale they got a dog they got a fox all the different animals and they're like these like cute little characters and then like you crochet and then I think you stuff it at the end and so the founders are I believe it's Justine Tiu and Andrew Zane no Adrian. Adrian Zane yeah sorry if I butcher those but so they founded it in 2020, I believe, in their parents' uh, basement. And I'm pretty sure they made all the yarn, too. I see videos of them online, like, with this big, like, wooden, like, square thing, like, rolling up the strings of yarn. They got up. And it looks like it's, like, really thin strings. It looks like they're weaving it into one string. It looks like they're making their own yarn. Right. That's like, that's crazy. Like, you would think they would just buy it and, like, put the kit together and sell it. But no, I think they make their own. Um, so in one year, their revenues got about to one million uh, in year one year. One, in year one. In year one, yeah. And then um, in year two, they were closing at around four million in revenue. And since the official launch in July of 2022, I think maybe in year three, it says five million. The numbers aren't like two right here. And then I think now to date, it's like about seven million. So they're proud. And I've been seeing like, I watched one of their ads and now that I researched it, I'm seeing all their YouTube shorts and all the stuff. I'm pretty sure they market it through YouTube shorts and TikTok because they make like videos of them, of them making it. And they're like, oh, it's so fun and easy. And it's like, I was going to buy one for my kid, but I just bought one for myself because it's fun to do. I'm, I'm going to try that. And um, I believe they're $30 a kid. So they're turning like what like oh they're making a huge profit on dollars maybe worth of yarn and yeah that material the like things. the needle things that they order in bulk i remember buying those a long time ago and they were like what a dollar for a package of them probably and they were like nice metal ones really crazy business um it took off like after they went on shark tank i'm pretty sure it just took off all day yes they went on shark tank they introduced it 
they were like, this is our, this is our product. We make these little kits. They've sold great. Everyone loves them. Adults love to learn new things and try new things that are simple. So they really catch on with adults and kids and they like all the sharks absolutely loved it. And they were basically like fighting over who's going to get the deal. And I think they ended up doing, it was 450,000 at a 6%, what are they, 6% stake in the company? No way. Is that what they said? And they agreed to it. And they agreed. And I believe it was, it was Mark Cuban and Lori. I I don't know how to pronounce their last name. I don't know what it is. What is it? Grenier. Grenier. Okay. Lori Grenier and Mark Cuban. 450,000 for 6% stake. And I think they're like their company is just taking off. Like all the sharks were basically like, yep, it's a rocket ship. It makes total sense. Like it's the perfect idea. Yeah, no, I just watched that Wooble Shark Tank thing. They asked for a quarter of a million dollars for 5%. Now the crazy thing is normally these sharks never take 5%. It's just not even worth their time. But apparently this was valued so well because what they say was she used to work as a Google... I'm going to say Google engineer. I'm really butchering it. It was something else. Yeah. She didn't like working at Google. She wanted to try something different. And he was a, an equities trader and he had billions under his belt, like just trading, but he wasn't fulfilled, which remind me to bring that up again. That brings me to another point. They took $200, bought some yarn, bought the the knitting things and spent money on a domain and since then, I think they made $5.3 million in sales. Oh, yeah. It cost $3 to make the product. They wholesale it for 15 They retail it for 30 And they said that their lifetime margins after everything was 38%. This is insane. And this is why on the Shark Tank episode, these people were bidding against each other. They went from 250 for 5%. I think it was, like you said, Mark and Lori, they got it. Six percent for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it was just they were perfect on Shark Tank because they knew their numbers, they knew what the future was, they knew the answer to all the questions. They were like, Okay, so why are you here? Yep, and then most people were just like, Well, I need money to grow my business, but they were like, Well, we need money for licensing because people are asking us to make all these character kits that we don't have licensing for, like Baby Yoda. Well, I don't even think they actually cared about the money because they were cash flow positive. Oh, yeah. They were doing really well. They said that they were, they really undervalued themselves because they wanted to do a deal. And like you said, I don't think it was the money for the licensing, but it was to get the connects to get the licensing. And those people had done it a million times. I mean, Disney probably works with each and every one of them. Yes. So it would just be easy to get in a room and get that meeting. Yeah. But- that's it, it was just genius. They said their biggest thing was their learning center. Um, not sure if they monetize that on like YouTube or something, just how the Missouri Star Quilt Company and Jenny, they have their own. Yeah, I bet if you go watch a tutorial on how to make one of the animals on YouTube, there's probably an ad before it. We, You talk about that whole town that was doing Missouri Star Quilt Company quilting yep. and like, I feel like it's all the same uh, niche, like whether you're quilting or you're making sweaters or you're making little characters, it's, it's all just like thing. yarn and weaving, same category. Like that's like a huge niche for people because it's so relaxing. Like even um, I was hanging out with my friends the other day and um, this girl was saying how she, she does it sometimes. Like she sits and sits down and like, I think she knits maybe. No what? But yeah. And um, they also make these, this is another really cool product I saw. Uh, these blankets 
that you you uh you weave but by hand because they're like these really big fuzzy uh strips right of a blanket like these big fuzzy round strips so like you weave it all together yourself and then tie it up at the end it's this huge like fuzzy blanket Ooh. that's woven and it's really cool that's a that's a cool product that i saw so like it's definitely a huge a huge niche and like people love doing that stuff i don't know if it's just because it's w- women or I mean, obviously, that's got to be a majority of women, I'd say. Yeah. 35%. Yeah. 35 and up. So I guess that's their niche. And then if you take a guy's niche, it would either be that we would spend relatively that much money per year on. It would probably be either like fishing, golfing, yes, or hunting. I saw a YouTube short the other day that this guy made, and he's talking about how he has all this fishing equipment, and he hasn't caught a single fish. And before he like played that video, there was a there was a scene of this kid catching catching like a huge fish like floating in a lake on a noodle like this massive fish, and he's like, "What the heck? I got this boat. I got all this bait. I can't catch nothing." And I was like, "Wow, like these people buy so much fishing supplies. Like it looked like this guy had a shelf out of a store on the wall of his garage. Like there were so many baits. It's like you could go shopping." I was like. Wow, people actually like blow money on this stuff. Like, I guess they'll use it, but anyone I know who fishes and like goes routinely, like whenever I see them getting their fishing gear out, there is just like a hodgepodge of stuff. Like, open the tackle box. So yeah, and even (laughs) I was like starting a soft bait store or something like that, maybe a custom one or just like selling soft baits. That could definitely be a uh, a good thing. What's soft bait? Soft bait, like the like lures, a, like yes, the lures, like the the worms. Like oh, okay, rubber, not the like metal worms. thing. It's yeah. just the okay. Like you can make your own molds and then design your own like colors and shapes and whatever, so it like swims through the water a certain way. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't even think about how that whole thing worked. Yeah, you just make the, your mold. Yeah, those soft baits are expensive. Like. So there's this uh, brand, I think it's called Ron Z. They're like $30 a pack or something like that. It's insane. What's the special ingredient in the mold or yeah, in the injection thing? Is it? Silicone? Maybe they put a little bit of oil in it that in the, in the, in the silicone to make the fish smell it in the water. But I think it's just normal. Like I thought it was just the light maybe lighting like, off the weird thing and then the, the way it moved. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not really. I don't really know. Well, I don't really know either. Yeah, it's just like, like you said, like the way it moves and the way the color it is. Because I got a company that reached out to us. I don't know this whole month uh, at work. We've just been getting a lot of people wanting to send us products to review. Yeah, it's been insane. Right now, we got the uh, the laser engraver, got the welder. A company who does molds will make us a mold of anything we want for free as long as we review their channel. So. I, I know we'll need a mold of something. I just don't know what yet or how big they'll allow it. Cause it's like, well, if we could stamp press a, a crazy Jaguar fender or something, that would be awesome. But I don't think they, that'd be a half a million dollar mold. But if they could do something small, yeah, I'd totally do something like a lure or whatnot. Yeah. It would suck. You'd really only get one shot at it. So you'd hope that- What do they make the mold out of? Not 100% sure. I'd have to go and check that email. I was just like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And- uh because I told you our biggest videos on our YouTube channel for work are our 2D rusting videos, we also got an email from a company that wanted to give us a thousand dollars 
I really should have read it closely. It said a rust accelerator. And I didn't, I, I read accelerator, but I just kind of in my head thought rust remover, just really fast rust remover like rust right 911. So I watch a video of it. It's like, no, it's how to add rust to something in about five minutes. And I'm just like, why? Why do you want to add rust to something? I'm a, an amazing ruster at the shop. I just put my handprint on anything and within 24 hours, my handprint will be there. But that was just wild. But for $1,000, I told my boss, I said, oh, absolutely, we'll take it because maybe we could use it for something architectural. We're yeah. doing a crazy- Yeah, for design. Yeah, anti-concierge uh, desk for us group in, by November. And maybe we could spray something on it, make it look patinaed. I, I'm not sure if it works with copper because I, we really like how it gets that like green look. But oh, it was just kind of interesting what's happening now. And that's why I say we got to stick with our review channels because I know they'll send me. Yeah, you get someone reaching out to you like every week. It's insane. Say, oh, I bet you right now I could go on the email and I got one more. Yeah, the fact that you can just pick anything from the Vivor store and get to review it, that's so cool. I really want to choose a slushy machine. One, you get a video, you get to put out a video on like a product that you don't have and people probably are searching for because like that store sells stuff like crazy. So anything that you put up is probably going to oh, yeah. have searches for reviews. Somebody told me if they have reviews on the product, then people are searching for the product. And I thought that was interesting because you never know when you're, if you're doing a YouTube review channel, if what you're picking is, I mean, everybody's afraid that everything is oversaturated. And if yes. you pick a product that's 10 years old, well, yeah, it may be oversaturated. Yeah. But, but not still... everyone does the tags and the videos right. Not everyone puts the, the title, title, the video, yes. in, the in the tags, the first tag, and the first words in the description. Like, just doing that alone, like, helps you. Yeah, most it... people don't know how to rank. Yes. That's, that's definitely a problem. But I try and show people that, no, when I look for a new video, especially if it's a computer problem, of course, I want the answer that was from this month. I don't want something from two years ago. Maybe the same answer, but I'm just never sure if any updates to any software are different. And like you Google something, how to remove Facebook or whatnot, and you'll see Facebook even has yep. old stuff. You got to go to a new video to figure out what it is. And that's just how Google's algorithm is and shit. It just takes you back to old information. But yeah. It doesn't matter if it's oversaturated. So you didn't, you watched my YouTube video once, right? Which you one? You didn't like play it at the shop for an hour or anything like that. I didn't watch your video. So yeah, I, I have not played my video on my own at all. I just posted a review on a battery charger in Tester. And it's batteries for like vapes, flashlights. These batteries are in a lot of things. And then when people end up using them, they're like, oh, what's this? And then they search it and they're like, oh, I can recharge them. I can get this. I can get that. So there's a lot of searching involved with this stuff. I thought that this was going to be super oversaturated. I saw video reviews of this charger everywhere, like great quality videos. Like they do all shots of it and they pan the camera yes. nice and everything. I have 162 views in 33 days, which is really totally garbage. But I have 6.8 watch hours already, and that's like in a month. Like, how do I have six hours of my video watched? It's just like insane. That's and that's because I ranked good. I did a video review on my electric skateboard that I built, and that only has seven views, which makes sense because people aren't buying this product. And like, it's it's not like I the, the battery charger is a more co common crossroad in mine and someone else's life than a DIY electric skateboard. 
Right, but I also, I said I was going to do your thumbnail, so it also may, I think even the picture of the skateboard that's there. The, yeah, it's a decent what, thumbnail. It really is. <laughs> we can always play with that video, but yes, your battery review thing, it doesn't do much per every day, but it does, to, yesterday it did seven views, uh, day before it did six views, then you had ten views and three views. Every day that video is getting... Yeah, so someone, yeah, people are... Searching for chargers and looking up that one. You're ranking number one on your title, like the the name of the battery tester and the review. Like that's what you're ranking for. Yeah, one. that's insane. Everything else, brand new channel, 17. brand new channel too. Like they, making a new website, sandbox, no sandbox on YouTube. Oh yeah, it's and I bet you if I made this video super high quality and put time into it, like I wanted to, but I was procrastinating, so I just did it. If I made it high quality, I bet you it would have performed even better and would continue to. Most likely, I think a review video should be simple. I don't want something that's 10 minutes long when I just kind of want an answer to a problem. And the only time I can get an answer to a product is in a review video. It's like, yeah. oh, this is how I set that up. I missed that part. Yeah, I did talk about it a lot. It, I could have made it shorter. I bet if I made it short on it, it would go crazy. YouTube likes to push shorts to you when you look up a product or something like that now. They'd rather throw you onto the short feed, have you watch five videos of it, and then get thrown into like a regular feed. It's almost like the TikTok, Instagram, Facebook reels issue. Like something will do really well on TikTok, won't do well on YouTube yes. or Facebook. Something on Facebook won't do well on the other two. I feel that's the way YouTube is with shorts and long form content. If you're a short form content, that's it. You don't do long form. And if you're long form... You may enjoy short form, but no, you always go to long form because you just want all the actual information. I'm trying to find the happy balance to that. I think if you're going to do shorts, though, what really helps is storytelling. You want a short to go viral, it's all about storytelling. Yeah. There was I want to chop up this podcast and make a short out of it soon. I'm going to do that. Are you? I just got to do it. I'd I just need to put like images in the background. Why don't you try one of the AI things? Yeah, I know. Now, having said that, that guy, Adrian, he worked at uh, an equities firm or whatnot. He said he didn't feel fulfilled. Now, this brings me to this YouTuber, and I forgot his name, but he's just a podcaster. He does it on YouTube, and he just interviews anybody he finds fascinating. He also worked on Wall Street right out of college, got a job at Wall Street, worked there for maybe two years, then got a contract for a higher position, way more money. But he said the same thing. He was like, I just told my boss, no, this isn't for me. I can't see my life doing this. So he gave up everything, moved into his parents' basement, and then started his podcast. And it's a video podcast. And he pays for people to come in and do the podcast live with them instead of like doing Riverside or anything like that. Yeah. But it's amazing how he actually went to school for that and then realized that the job was unfulfilling and then he's trying to get his own thing. But it's interesting, after three years, I believe he's got 400,000 subscribers and his videos do pretty well, but he doesn't make the money I had thought he would for the views he gets, especially what he started out with in the beginning was doing shorts, and he really learned how to make shorts go viral. Of course, this is when YouTube just created shorts, so I assume that they were just really pushing anything and everything, but... Yeah. He became so good at it that he, he kind of helped other people, even companies, figure out how to attack the shorts market. And he was explaining to them, look, let's take your 
highest viewed shorts. And I can guarantee you they all share one thing. It's they're telling a story. And I didn't really put that together until he said that. And sure enough, they look at the the videos and each one definitely tells a story like, oh, in 1995, I came out of the store and thought about this. Boom, story. He did that with like 10 videos. And then these people would listen to him and start doing storied short content and then notice the views just get exponential growth, 10, 20, 30 million views per video. Wow. It's really interesting. And I want to bring up the fact that I think with all these AI tools, a lot of people are telling me that AI could replace the normal creator, but I don't think AI has the ability to tell a very good story and even maybe the inflection. It just goes back that people want to connect with somebody that they resonate with. They could totally resonate with an AI character, yeah. but there's still going to be that human element that says, hey, you know what? I, I want to make an AI character using an AI voice and put it all together and create something. I see what you're saying. I just watched a video the other day, the UN conference on AI, the United Nations conference, and they had real humanoid robots at the conference at the front of the desk and you could ask them anything like you know how you have a group of journalists asking questions in the end they were asking questions to like these robots it was like amica and one was named grace and like they were like all these robots and they would ask questions like how are we sure that you are not lying to us and you are going to help us in the future and they would just sit there in process in process and process and then like a minute later it would say I'm not lying to you. I'm here to help you. <laughs> like, it, it was kind of scary the way they were, were responding. They responded like Robots. they were lying. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but is that because they're actually lying and conscious? Or is it because they've been trained on lies and they know what it looks like and they think they have to do that in this situation? That's the thing. Which I think it's the, the latter of the two. Oh, yeah. It's but, totally going to end in the Terminator way. No, no, no. I'm saying it's they're, they're lying without being conscious that they're lying. Like they're just programmed oh, to respond in certain ways respond for certain with situations. So, not knowing it's yeah. a lie. I got gotcha. you. But you got to watch that video. It's just look up the UN press conference on AI. It's on YouTube. It's like one hour long, maybe an hour and a half. Skip to like. Halfway through it, you get the robots talking to the people. It's it's so cool. That's a wild thing that you brought up the UN and for us to watch it because that was one thing I wanted to bring up with YouTube. And I, I've been listening to this new podcast, Colin and Samir, and it's all about YouTube. And I believe they've been doing it for about 11 years now. They interviewed a YouTube, a guy who works at YouTube, and it really sounded like a made-up title. And even the guy said, oh, yeah, no, I made up this title. It's like, I guess when you work at a company that's so big, you can really just make up anything. Yeah. But he was talking about how there's a, a strong minority of people in America. I think it's 43% of people would rather watch a creator explain an event than to actually watch the event. So say, you know, we're going to land on the moon. 43% of Americans would rather watch, you know, Colin and Samir talk about landing on the moon while watching the video than actually watching the moon landing itself. And I found that to be wild and yet true after I had just watched the Shark Tank episode. I was trying to yep. find it on Google and normally you can get the little snippets of Shark Tank, but no, I got this guy, Joe Pardo, 
and it's him reacting to the Shark Tank video. Yeah. And he's got 98,000. Oh, there are huge views in that. Even just on shorts, you can do that. You can just post your reaction to viral shorts and your video will also go viral because they're viral shorts. So I get the viral shorts. I really hate the reacting to the viral shorts because it's, you know, quote unquote, it's reacting, just copying. It's staged. It's just copying. Because you've seen the video yeah. and you had to push the button to record. Like, yeah. Whereas if you're actually watching something live, you're commenting real time. It's just like watching football on Thursday night with the Mannings. Things like that. People would, you got to take content and figure out how to make it better through use of just kind of like niche down communities. You have yes. all these football fans and sure, every Sunday they watch football, but then you can even expand that more and okay, well, certain people like the Mannings and okay, they'd rather watch football with the Mannings as the Mannings are watching football and hear them comment on it. I don't know. I, I feel like there's just a huge opening for something like that people just want their favorite creators to explain things to them in their perspective and i don't even think it matters if it's been done a thousand times because people want their creators to do it so if you're a creator and there was i mean you could talk about ocean gate even though it was three weeks ago and everybody talked about that to death i watched a video of a creator that i watch on youtube and he did a video on ocean gate I watched it. Yeah, but wasn't his more, you know, parody? No, it was like he was like him explaining the event. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, you were talking about that other guy, Dusty or Dustin or the 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 guy with the boat, and he just grabbed out that piece of Ocean Gate. Oh no, not that guy. What's his name? Dark Whistling Diesel. Whistling Diesel. Thank yeah, you. he's insane. Aren't we all though? Yeah. I don't know that YouTube thing. I, I have so many ideas. I really believe that YouTube's yeah, YouTube my crazy platform. I think it's just my thing. I really enjoy editing. I really enjoy editing videos. I've done a couple of reviews. I got the camera here today. I'm going to go crazy on reviews and crazy with that laser uh, engraver. So I figured out a whole shorts channel is just engraving. You know, people like scrape paint off a wall and yes. soothing. Yeah, I'm just going to do that. Time lapses. Yep. Nice. That's a good idea. The only problem is I did one yesterday at work. It took two hours to print this thing, and it was the logo for my review channel. It was about 20 gigs for two hours, and I used two hours worth of video to compress it down to four seconds, and then I realized afterwards that people kept kicking or hitting the camera, and it would just joggle ever so slightly. Yeah, so the video was full of shakes. Oh, God, I hated it. It drove me nuts, so now I hope to do it again, but I just thought that would be a really cool opening. Yeah. But you could do that 15-second shorts, nice little thing, in the background. And I'm sure you could probably grow a crazy account really fast just by doing that. Oh, yeah. I'm really... So I'm going to start doing that today. That's going to be a new... That's a good idea. I'm going to do it for my review channel, but do shorts and be like, okay, here's the laser engraver, yeah. whatever. That's my spiel. People go viral just crushing sponges with water and peeling paint off stuff. There are elevator YouTube channels. Elevator YouTube, a guy goes in an elevator, pushes the top button. You just spend five minutes with him in the elevator going up and then five minutes going down. And th these get tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of views. And I never understood why. I'm not sure this is the only reason, but they mentioned, you know, I'm the creator who does one of these channels. He, he's he got autism. He's on the spectrum, high functioning, obviously. But he said, if 
I like elevators, then there are definitely other autistic people who really enjoy elevators. And sometimes these people really, they don't leave their house because yes, the outside noises or the environment or tight taste tests, things like that. But they enjoy watching it on YouTube. I mean, I thought the lawn mowing thing was kind of crazy, but there are channels- Going up an elevator? Elevators. Do they, they do talk it? while they do it? I don't know. I actually never watched the video. I just heard it on the Colin Samir podcast and it pretty blew crazy. my mind. Elevators. Elevator talk. All right, we're in the elevator again, folks. How are we doing today? And we got the Otis 9000. <laughs> I was just searching and I, I couldn't tell if they said hand or head, but no. Miracle as amazing surgeons reattach boy's decapitated head after horror crash. What? But it's an internal decapitation. It's not like the head was cut off. It was the head was separated from the last vertebrae. So it was detached inside and they used plates and everything to reattach it to his spine. That's oh insane. What a time to be alive. You could reattach heads now. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Yeah, it just kind of freaked me out. Wild. Where'd you see that on Google Trends? Ah, uh, yes. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, no. Was, yeah, just Google. You know, you just go to Google now and they give you yeah. the top stories. Where did that happen? Israel. Israel. There you go. Wow. God's people. I always thought if you like broke your neck, you were like done because the the uh, the nerves can't can't feel the bottom of your body. I thought so too, but there were, I know a lot of people who have broken their neck and broken their back, and they can walk. Wow. I mean, they have they have issues. Maybe I remember my buddy, my buddy Jay. He had something, but he had metal plates, and anytime the weather changed or whatnot, it would seriously affect his neck. But I'm sure you'd take the pain from something like that as long as you could walk again. Yeah. But I don't know. That's just I'm wild. I ha I had to see if that was true. Okay, so I feel really bad because I just really want to start engraving stuff. Hey, my cousin gave me a sword and some golf tees and uh, not golf tees, the uh, ball markers. And I just, I really want to make some videos right now. But the last thing I wanted to bring up was ChatGPT has another competitor besides, what is it, uh, Bard? I haven't really used Bard much, so I don't have a, enough to talk about on that. But there's Claude 2, and I believe it was anthropomorphic or anthro anthropic. Yes. The good thing about this is it can actually take, you know how when you put in a, a whole section for ChatGPT to summarize for you, you can only put in so much. It seems like Claude can analyze at least twice as much. Plus you can upload large document files and it'll uh, summarize it, give it the um, high points. I think it does graphs and everything. You know how ChatGPT can only go up to a certain amount of time? Claude is a little bit past that. Okay. And so they have longer context retention and like yep. things like that. Yep. Apparently there's something called the Codex Human Eval. And I don't know if it's more for coding or exactly what it is. If you know what it is, a Claude 2 scored 71.2%. And ChatGPT scored 56% in coding. Uh, oh, it's a Python coding test. I'm sorry. Okay. And then like large grade math, uh, math problems, Claude 2 scored 88%, ChatGPT 85%. So it's still a B. That's wild. I don't even know. I've never heard of Anthropic before. I, I guess I really got to look into this. Yeah. 
Because if you're going to compete with AI, you have to have some serious funding behind you. You do, yeah. It's a lot. I mean, I know ChatGPT with the right prompts can really do anything. I just don't like the fact that you got to pay for it. And yeah, this stuff true. should really be free. Yeah, I heard they're rolling out GPT-4 to... All users? Subscribed users. Yo, kidding. Well, then what the hell am I paying for it? I know. Gonna have to just get rid of it soon. The way everything's going, it'll be another couple of months. Somebody else have something better. God, I love... I love 2023. It is so damn interesting. Oh, yeah. We're getting something new every week. Like, every month, something, something new is happening. So I've been also telling my cousin, I've never seen anybody... Of course, I don't have that many friends, but I've never seen anybody into golf like my cousin is. He will come home and he'll just watch golf on YouTube. These four guys. I can't. And, it's like watching paint dry. You and me both. But these guys do make it fun. They have some comedic banter and I think they drink and stuff. Yeah. But I told him, hey, since you're so into golf, you should do your own golf thing. I said, there's all these AI tools. You can open up your own whatever in a matter of minutes. But he told me, and I really think this goes back to what you said last week about people don't want to use AI. They want to talk to a human who will use AI, which is why prompt engineers will still be a necessity for the foreseeable future because okay. it may just be a psychological thing. But I sat him down. I said, okay, what do you want to do? He said, golf apparel company. So go into chat GPT. I showed him chat GPT. He started typing things in. It came up with a name for him, a whole description of his company, a background, all kinds of crazy stuff. So he got really excited. Then I showed him mid-journey. The guy started pumping out designs for his clothing uh, and hats and everything. He's got this really awesome logo. And I'm so proud of him because for the last week, he's just been balls to the wall. And then he even got $160 in sales. He's only been doing this for a week. Yeah. You know how what? depressed I am about that? But I told him, I'm like, well, what the hell? He's got $160 in sales already? A bunch of my family bought his stuff. And I said, nobody bought my stuff. Oh, my god! He's like, well, did you tell him about any of it? No. Wow. I said, well, that makes the difference. You got to tell your family about it. I'm like, my family doesn't care about our shit. Crap. Yeah. That's insane. So he is so psyched. He's already profitable. And um, what I think he really wants to go into is Amazon KDP. What is it called? The store name? Bogey, Bogeyware. So you go to bogeyware.net. And he's got a few ads, some shirts. What he really wants to get into is the golf polos, but he can't find a good supplier and he doesn't find print-on-demand companies can do what he needs. I'm so proud of him. $160 one week. He's uh, he's so nuts. Um, That's nuts. Good yeah, for him. Exactly. Like, I just can't. From last week, he's like, I don't even know what to I, do. I knew I was going to hear he was getting sales. I knew it. Because you told me he was just doing it like a maniac. Yes. And that's all it takes, even if you don't know what you're doing, because he keeps on asking me things on Shopify. And I'm like, I have no idea how to use Shopify. I use WooCommerce through WordPress. So I really don't know any of the plugins or what any of it means. I try to help him out where I can, but it's just been him. He hasn't even watched YouTube videos on it. He's just been throwing himself in the fire and learning. Nice. I think that's a perfect example of how different YouTube are. That's him. So you see his uh, gopher up top? Yeah. I think he's got about 20 different characters, and now he's starting to slowly write stories about them. And I think he wants to create kids' books on the gophers. Holy shit. Yeah, he's really just branching out, and I i couldn't be happier. And I just That's had to, awesome. I had to show talk about that because he he didn't wait for things to be perfect. 
Yeah, just don't when. think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I there's a lot to be said for that. Learn by trial by fire. Yep. And even he said after a couple of days, I may want to segue into something else. I said that's that's the whole point of this thing. Yeah. You realize the first couple things you're doing, you're not gonna like, and you're gonna switch it up. I'm just glad we never switched up the podcast. Yeah, I know. Although at some point it may change the name right on it. Still keeping that website though, because coffeemilk.co was fantastic. Yeah. We may just get traffic from it because people want coffeemilk.com, even though I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I got to take some of his advice on that and just do just it. Just do it. Yep. Not worry about what's going to go wrong and just, just go. Yeah. Because let things go wrong as they go wrong. Yeah. You can't control everything. Yeah. God bless him. I wish him the best. Yeah. He's going to get more sales. The site looks great. I mean, I like the gopher. And he did it all himself. I had nothing. Yeah. I just kept on, once he showed me things, I'm like, okay, dude, I don't like this. And I thought I was going to- Did he do it on WordPress? No, he did it all through Shopify. Oh, nice. That's why I didn't really know how to help him. Yeah. Because I, I told him he, he had a lot of different things. And I'm like, no, I'd fix this to make it look better. I'd have the drop down menu. And he didn't know, didn't know how to do any of that. But I tell him the stuff and then boom, within five minutes, he figured it out, got it all fixed. He's like, oh, it looks so much better. I said, I'm not, I'm not critiquing you to embarrass you or anything. I just, oh yeah, you've already gotten this far, and I want it to be the best thing ever because this is amazing. Yeah. So now I just That's want him nuts. to wear a GoPro when he goes golfing again. But we should go golfing with him, and and, and then he can put the brand up at the end. Yes. He can do shorts. I told him we should start buying some of his uh, some of his stuff, and then just giving it away or finding golfers to, I don't know, maybe get him to promote it. Yeah. But right now, since he's got all this, his biggest thing is advertising. And I told him, check out Pinterest because the women may buy this stuff for their husbands. Yes. And Pinterest is mostly women. So it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be an interesting, That's uh, a good point. it's going to be an interesting project to figure out and how to market it because I'm sure golf apparel companies are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Well, uh. That's it for this week. It's kind of a short one. I'm sorry about that, but I want to play with my laser engraver. And the best part is it's called the Laser Pecker 3. What kind of company calls the thing the Laser Pecker? Wild. Crazy name. But it doesn't matter. So that's it. I'm Mark Laporte. And I'm Mitch DiPaolo. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. I'm listening. Do it again. Thanks for listening. <laughs>